whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports, the NFL show season two, episode 14. My name is Dan Frost, and as always, I'm supported by the best panel in the business. Uh, no Stacey tonight, but we've got Beck, we've got Alex, and we've got Laura. We didn't scare Laura away. She's back for her second show. And Alex, great to have you back on board. I think we joked last time that you were busy in that uh, in the bunker preparing for the draft. I think this time it was more you sort of recovering from all of the craziness that's happening in and around the NFL at the moment. And that's what our listeners want to know. Our listener question is, who has won the offseason? Who has had the better offseason? They've given us a list. We've got the Green Bay Packers, um, Mr. Aaron Rodgers, who's kind of been salty at his franchise for a number of years. He finally gets what he wants. Um, You know, it was really interesting to kind of reflect on it now. But, you know, you, you can't help but think, was it all about money? Was it all about him just showing Green Bay that he was in charge, getting the most money? Um, yeah, he definitely, definitely got what he wanted there. Uh, the Denver Broncos, uh, they, well, they're going to go down in history with arguably one of the biggest trades in NFL history. There's no way of saying, there's no other way of saying it as they secure Russell Wilson. We'll talk more about that. Uh, Washington, let me get this right, Commanders, uh, they, in a bold in a bold strategy, Cotton uh, went out and got Carson Wentz from the Indianapolis Colts. We'll dive into that one. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they got, well, they got some, uh, I guess, some positive news as uh, the GOAT, Tom Brady, has decided that uh, he dislikes his children and uh, has raced back to the Tampa Bay facility, um, and yeah, he will no longer be retiring, so great work there, Tom. Uh, Cleveland Browns, they, they sneak in and get Amari Cooper, um, you know, that's a nice little addition there, as Baker really, I guess, tries to fight for his job there in Cleveland and fight for his future. Uh, the LA Chargers, uh, Alex turns away in disgust as they sneak in and take Khalil Mack, the pass rusher from Chicago. And then finally, uh, the Minnesota Vikings do Minnesota things and they re-sign Kirk Cousins to a massive extension. All right, guys, they're all the teams that are hot and heavy at the moment. We've just got to work our way through them and, and I guess try and figure out who's had the better offseason so far. Um, Beck might start with you. Yes, so much happening in the NFL. It's like, what is going on? But for me, looking on the outside as, you know, a team manager, a head coach, I can't go past Brady coming out of retirement. Like that's the ultimate goal is to keep Brady around for as long as he is still an elite player. And he is an elite player. Like he's playing at a level where he is competing with the top five quarterbacks. There's no question about it, that he still has the capability to win a Super Bowl. And that's obviously his goal coming back out of retirement is to take this this Buccaneers team to another Super Bowl. Can he do it? Can he not do it? We definitely know that he has the potential. And I think the Bucs are throwing a party. They're cheering like there's not, it couldn't get better for them this season. And Becca, I think what's also interesting about it is not only do you get uh, the goat, the quarterback in Tom Brady, you also get the GM. So suddenly all of these free agents, all of these, you know, 23-year-olds that are retiring. Yes, you, Ali Marpet, you know, all all of these guys who are, um, I guess, you know, everyone in in Tampa Bay is very nervous about what their next move is. With GM Tom Brady uh, stepping through the office, you know that all of that's going to get cleaned up. 
Gronkowski's going to probably sign a four to five year extension. He'll be back on board. Um, yeah, suddenly there's there's not so many question marks in and around this franchise. And Beck, as we head to the draft, that's probably a good position for Tampa Bay because they can focus in on what their actual needs are. Because um, yeah, they're a little bit of a mess there for the five weeks that Tom Brady uh, has retired. Look for me, difficult. Our listeners always hit us with the, with the most uh, complicated questions. Uh, look, I'm going to go with Green Bay. Uh, look, it's been a mess, you know what I mean? And I, I feel a little bit sorry for, I guess, the head coach there and everyone at Green Bay because this has been a high-quality football team, 13-3, and 13-3. and three. They have dominated. Um, you know, they had everything they needed last year but fell a little bit short. But, you know, I think, you know, what, what you know, my reflection on the whole situation at Green Bay is that, number one, Aaron Rodgers, I'm not his biggest fan, definitely off the field. Um, And number two, he's starting to struggle a little bit in the playoffs. So I think everyone falls into this trap that, you know, everyone can play at an elite level like Tom Brady to their their 45. Maybe that's not the case. And we saw that a little bit with Aaron Rodgers. And my last takeaway with the Green Bay situation, what is happening with Jordan Love? You know, if this guy could play even a little bit, you know, if, if you could just slightly build around Jordan Love, you would not have spent $50 million a season on Aaron Rodgers this late in his career. So, uh, look, I, I think, you know, I, I'm just I'm just glad it's over with. I think Green Bay now um, in a very, you know, in a, in, a, in a trash division, let's be honest, I think they can uh, they can cause some, cause some damage. Uh, Alex, all right, I know you're fired up. There's been a lot of things happening in and around, uh, in and around the NFL. In particular, some things have impacted Chicago as well. Um, yeah, what's your thoughts on this one? Uh, I was like, what do I do with my Khalil Mack jersey? Like, I can't wear that anymore. I can't rep that, you know. I, I got to rep my Justin Fields jersey, which is, like, fine. I'll do that. But, like, also, I loved Khalil Mack. Like, that is an absolute beast on the field that Chicago has just gone, nah, no thanks. Thanks for playing. Like, I, sometimes I think we shoot ourselves in the foot, but you got to hand to the Chargers because – Clearly, they see some talent where they need some talent in that edge rushing spot. And they know, like, you watch Khalil Mack, right? You, the Raiders had their issues about trading him away and wanting him back. And now he's gone to the Chargers. So hopefully he stays healthy and he can be a big, big impact for the Chargers. But as a Bears fan, I was absolutely devastated. I think, like, I threw my phone, like, at the wall. Like, it wasn't, like, it, it was just straight and utter just, like, anger, at the front office right now, like new GM and everything. And I'm like, okay, I trust the guy. So I hope he's doing something right here, but yeah. And I think I'm I'm salty about it. I think Justin Fields probably feels the same way. And you just wonder, you know, they have at least given him a call or sort of, you know, Hey, do you want, you know, the best player on your football team traded away? I'm sure Justin Fields would probably say no. Just getting a little bit of a text in, you know, Stacey's not in tonight, but she's sort of a little bit disappointed in, uh, I guess, the the dull New England offseason as well. Um, whilst everything has been happening, the whole league is on fire, New England have sat on their hands and done absolutely nothing, and including we haven't even franchise tagged JC Jackson. So Stacey's salty about that one. Laura, you get the last uh, word on this one. Again, this is, you know, we're living in historic times outside of the world of NFL, but certainly if we focus in on the sport we love, it, it is pretty wild times at the moment. It's a wild time and it's a heartbreaking time. I think the way to end this segment is definitely with the heartbreaking departure of Russell Wilson from Seattle. What a pickup from the Broncos. I mean, an absolute steal. They didn't get fleeced. 
they didn't get taken for the ride that everyone thought would come along with a trade for Russell Wilson. And you got to put it to them, you know, they killed this trade. I think it's been the best trade that we've seen so far. You know, any team with Russell is automatically a Super Bowl contender. You're bringing a leader into the building. You're bringing in a guy who knows how to build up those that are around him. So it's exciting to see this young offense that we have in Denver and see what happens over, over the next three or four years. And maybe he'll be thrashing Seattle in a Super Bowl. Hopefully not, but you know, it'll be interesting to see a couple years on from his win, how he goes. All right, guys, let's jump into our first segment for tonight. The huddle. Leave no regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of. And for the Philadelphia Eagles, the long drought is over. How about those two? Yeah, and this week on the huddle, we dive into, well, New York, New York. The New York Jets are finishing 4-13 and 13, uh, in the most recent season, and they'll be looking to try and turn things around. Beck, I'm going to go uh, to you straight off the top because I'm a little bit biased. You know, as a New England Patriots supporter, I kind of love the dysfunction. You know, it's kind of helped us when you think about Miami, when you think about the Jets, you know, Buffalo before Josh Allen walked through the door. All of these dysfunctional franchises really helped me. So, look, I'm happy if New York continue to do weird and wonderful things. So I'm biased, but, um, you know, just your reflections on uh, on this team at the moment. Let's start with the quarterback. Can Zach Wilson play? Um, yeah, what's your thoughts on that one? You know what? I, I I feel like so many people have ruled him out so quickly. Like he's he's a rookie quarterback. He's not playing on one of the best teams. They haven't surrounded him, you know, with the best possible players that he could have to support him in being a successful player. So I mean, I personally I like I like Zach Wilson. Like he's I think he has so much potential. He's he's got a decent arm on him. He's, you know, I think has, yeah, so much potential. And the fact that Joe Flacco is sitting behind him with the experience that he does have being, being there to be able to help build him up and be a successful player, teach him the tricks of the trades, help him get to, you know, make reads and be a better quarterback. Hopefully that's what Flacco is doing while he's sitting back there for Zach Wilson. Is he going to take them to a Super Bowl? Yet to tell, I'm not sure, but I think he has potential to be better than he has shown us. Alex, Alex, why do I feel like, you know, when it comes to Zach Wilson, one or two things will happen. If the Jets keep him, he'll be a nothing burger. You know, he'll just be that average guy that struggles, gets knocked around there, as you've seen as he started his career. You know, this guy has struggled a little bit. But in saying that, the flip of the coin, if he got traded away or if if the Jets got rid of him, you know, this guy, he has all of this natural ability that you could see him playing for another team and absolutely starring. So I guess it just puts the Jets in a really uncomfortable situation. The fans are sort of half in, half out on Zach. What's your thoughts? Do you agree with Beck? Um, you know, does Zach have what it takes to try and yeah, rebuild this franchise? I don't know if he's the sole person that can rebuild that franchise, right? And you look at it with the Jets for years now, right? They've always had the same issue with quarterback when you had Sanchez in there, when he sat on the ball. Like, you know, you've got Zach Wilson, who's a little bit young. I would have liked to have seen him sit behind a more veteran player, I think, at the Jets. I think he had a little bit more to learn coming out of college. I just don't. But also, I think when you look at the Jets, you have to be mindful that a lot of their kind of key players for their offense were injured last year. 
So I think when those players coming back, when you have, you know, Michael Carter and you've got Rodney Adams at wide receiver and you've got Jamison Crowder even who was injured, who's a decent receiver too, and Corey Davis, um, you know, those Elijah Moore as well. Those are players that are that can be standout players for, for, for Zach and make him look good. So I feel like if they can keep healthy, then they'll be able to help kind of lead them to probably a few more wins than they had last year. And Laura, is it as simple as that? You know, Alex is right. When you look at it, you know, you, you think about some of the challenges that the Jets had. A lot of injuries, which has been really problematic. Free agency has been traditionally very hard on the Jets. They've often overpaid, put themselves into some, some challenges with their salary cap. And then just inconsistent play from their draft picks. I mean, can the Jets ever draft a player that plays consistently every single week. I just feel like Jets fans get teased with, you know, a good month of football, whether it's from their uh, wide receiver, Elijah Moore, or a running back, or Zach Wilson. Talk to us a little bit about just generally the Jets and how things have been, you know, a little bit dysfunctional for quite a while. But I guess, you know, do, do, you, get, do you get that sense that the light is at the end of the tunnel for some of our Jets fans? I think the biggest problem we've seen in New York, and it's come from head office, is there hasn't been any cohesion throughout the team. As you mentioned, you know, you've got a team that we've got to stand out here, we've got to stand out here, we've got to stand out there. But we haven't actually seen a unit that has been able to work together and build together. And injury does play a big role in that. You know, Zach Wilson did manage to turn it around coming back from injury. You know, he two intercepts towards the end of the season, facing one of the hardest schedules of past um past defenders you know it was a big big end of the season for him and he held his own he did okay I think you know drafting is not going to be in New York's best interest they need to to play out this free agency go after some of those tight ends those bigger guys that can actually get down the field and and hold their own for Zach to throw down to but it's going to be a couple of years. We would love to see them sort of follow Cincinnati and have a big rebuilding year and eventually maybe come up with a little bit of that success. But I think until we have that cohesion throughout the whole system in New York, it's, it's going to be a long way away. Yeah. And Alex, you know, just, just quickly on the Jets, it just, it doesn't feel like they're a four win football team. Is that just me? Like, this isn't the old Jets, you know what I mean, where they were a laughing stock. I mean, you know, you look at their record and you just think they are as dysfunctional as what they were five, six years ago. But you see the talent that was probably hidden on injured reserve. I, I'm just getting a little bit nervous here as a New England Patriots supporter that they might, they might pop up and, uh, and put up a couple, of, uh, a couple of upsets here. Yeah, I don't know if I'd be going getting too nervous just yet, Dan. It's still early times for the Jets, and I think, like they're still young as well. And I think they've got a lot of growing to do. So there's going to be a lot of growing pains, I think, next year, whoever they get out of free agency. But as Laura said, like free agency is probably going to be their best bet. I wouldn't even be looking to go anywhere near, you know, the draft. Um, I mean, I know they have to with picks four and 10, but, you know, I'd be looking to get defensive players. But if you want standout players going to help Zach, you've got to go in a free agency. They have the cap space to do it, so why not? Yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting. Uh, Beck, you know, a couple of standout players. I, I thought Elijah Vera Tucker was a massive hit in the draft. So there you go. You've got one. Um, I'm hard on Elijah Moore. I just felt like, you know, he was, you know, he just really had to ease into things. We probably didn't see the best out of him, some injuries and things like that. Um, you know, uh, Quinnen Williams, you know, Laura, I know we were speaking off air about he's been, you know, one of those consistent players for the Jets. So, yeah, a little a little bit challenging. Uh, but, Becky, the question I've got for you, because everyone's eyes are on the New York picks, you know, both the Giants 
and the Jets. It's kind of you know it's made the the draft board a little bit unique. You, you quite you don't often see um, I guess teams loaded with those sort of picks. To Alex's point, what are you doing? If you are the Jets, are there players there that you would sort of go with? Would you package them up and get rid of them? You're in the hot seat. What are you going to do there to try and, um, yeah, I guess boost this team heading into uh, heading into what's going to be a very, very important offseason? I mean, looking at the draft picks that they have, they have the 7th or 4th and the 10th, did we say? So, like, I mean, when you look at the top 10 players coming out in the, the potential top 10 players coming out in this draft, lots of defensive players, lots of defensive ends. There's a couple of safeties, a couple of corners. There's not a lot of weapons for them to select from to put on that offense to help Zach Wilson. So if I'm, if I'm New York, I'm trading away one of those picks to pick up, you know, someone in another team that is going to be that weapon for Zach Wilson because a, a 10th pick, I mean, if I was a team that desperately needed a defensive end or even there's a couple of O-lines that are really great in there as well, um, if I'm a team looking to get one of those, I would trade one of, my, one of my draft picks away and then pick up, you know, someone potential with that fourth pick. I mean, you're going to get a great pick with a fourth pick either way, hopefully. I mean, could yeah. be... I, th- I think I think we might see it, guys. I think it's going to be well in play because, you know, if, if this was the Pittsburgh Steelers who, you know, I don't, I don't even know whether they sort of scout players anymore. They're so confident. They, they're able to sort of get the best of the best. They probably just, you know, write a name down and uh, it'll be right. We'll coach him up. But when it comes to New York Jets, it doesn't matter who they pick, they often struggle. Uh, so, you know, I guess the, ner- the nerves are really in place in terms of the front office. Can they hit these, these, these two picks because, um, yeah, it's very much needed. And, you know, obviously I'm talking from a Patriots perspective, but, you know, hello Buffalo Bills, you know what I mean? Josh Allen, he's probably going to go nuclear next year. So if you think the Patriots are going to be difficult, you wait till you play Buffalo in Buffalo. So Jets really need to sort themselves out. All right, guys, the question we have at the end of the huddle, a uh, bit of a simple one, but I guess um, a tricky one as we sort of look at this um, disjointed roster Will the Jets have greater uh, win record than this season? So will they win more than four games heading into next season? Beck, I'm going to start with you. I would like to hope so, but I don't have I, – I still think they're in a rebuilding stage. I still think they're finding their feet. Um, like Laura said, they still need to get some cohesion within that team to be able to be successful. I don't know if this preseason is going to do that for them because there is so much in the air in terms of what their personnel is going to look like. Um, I'm going to give them two more wins, yeah. potentially six. Yeah, you look, know. I, I'm sort of the same. Look, I, I'm giving them seven wins because if they – anything less than that, even that I think – Robert Salah's job is going to be in jeopardy. If they win anything less than seven, he's gone, which I think is a waste. I think if he had have just sort of been a little bit more patient with these coaching opportunities, he could have been something. But, um, yeah, I've, I've still got question marks on the coach, to be honest. And, yeah, Zach Wilson, if he doesn't win any more than seven games, I, th- I think that's a that's a bit of a concern. Um, Laura, thoughts on this one? Do the Jets improve heading into next season? I mean, it's not a big bar. They've only got to win more than four games. But, yeah, what's your thoughts? I think it depends what they do on defense. I think, you know, Zach Wilson, the offense is a concern, but their biggest problem is defense. We saw that when, um, while Zach Wilson was injured, that really busted open the issues they have there. So I would like to see them go after JC Jackson. I'm not going to lie, but you know, if they can really pull something together for their defense this off season, I definitely see them improving. If not, they'll stay the same. Alex, Laura hit me in a, that's a real sensitive topic uh, uh, for all Patriots fans. The fact that we didn't franchise tag JC Jackson. Anyway, let's see what Bill can do, how we can um, yeah, find some cash for him. Um, love the fact we're paying Johnny Smith 
um, you know, twenty million dollars next season as a as a third tight end. That that's great for us. <laughs> and no, Alex, we cannot re- uh, relegate the new New York Jets, so we will let them play next season. But again, same question to you: What's going to happen with the Jets next year? Uh, I think they're going to get two more wins. I mean, that's just the way it's going to go. I think they're one of the international games next year as well. So we all know how well the, the you know lower end teams do at a uh, international game. So I'm sure they'll get the win there. Um, but yeah, I see them going six and 11. I don't see them doing too much as Beck said, rebuilding, and they definitely have to do something defensively to fix that. So, all right, guys, let's jump into our next segment for tonight, the match, the most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble. Yeah. And it's very much draft season as we keep our eye on a lot of the prospects after uh, what was an impressive NFL combine. If you haven't had a chance to go back and listen to our last episode, please do that. Uh, we dove into you know some of the stats, some of the performances there, and um, yeah, some historic performances from uh, a lot of players. It was an incredible, incredible performance. But this week, we're diving into the linebackers. We're picking out uh, two of the top prospects in the draft, and there's N'Kobe Dean coming up against Devin Lloyd this year. Uh, Laura, let's let's start with uh, let's start with Devon because um, yeah, interesting. Um, you know, senior, uh, six foot three, hundred and seven kilos, coming out of Utah. Um, you know, again, you, you get a bit of a sense that you know players, you know, outside of the quarterbacks, the receivers, some of the flashy players, they they tend to mock draft quite low. You know, at, at, at at the start of the season. But as we get closer and closer to the draft, we get through the combine, we get more film, we get more tape, we get more stats on some of these players. They continue to, I guess, sneak up the draft board. That's definitely the case with Devin. A lot of scouts are liking what they're seeing here. You know, a a potential game changer here. Uh, Yeah. From our man from Utah. Yeah, look, you know, the players this type of position, they never draft high, and that probably isn't going to change coming into the season. He didn't have quite as good of a combine day, but, you know, I reckon that's what he's got going for him. Like you said, you know, watching back the tape, he definitely fills a lot of gaps for a lot of teams. And, you know, I'm, I don't know where we're going to see him go, but I definitely think he's the one to watch. Alex, uh, scouting linebackers, it must be so difficult because, you know, to Laura's point, you know, with some of the quarterbacks, there is just so much tape, so much analysis around, you know, your elite talent, you know, the difference between, you know, a a great and a good linebacker, you know, the difference between getting drafted in the first round, second round, fourth round, where you can get a lot of value in this position, it must be so difficult and so much pressure because as a front office, you want to get that pressure, uh, you know. You want to bring that pressure on defense, but at the same time, you don't want to, You don't want to spend too high of a capital. Um, yeah, what's your thoughts on Devin? Again, he's a he's a very interesting uh, interesting player as we head into the draft. Yeah, very interesting player. I mean, college he did all right. I mean, the one loss that Utah took was to Ohio State at the championship, so you know I'm proud of that one there. <laughs> um, you know, he had eight sacks in a season, one forced fumble, four interceptions, so not great. And as Laura said, he didn't have a great combine, but I think, and I've mentioned this before when you're coming out of the draft, if you want defensive players, get defensive players are going to work for you. And I think that uh, Devin Lloyd is one of those players. He's going to, wherever he goes, I think he's going to put in the work and the effort. It's just whether or not he ends up in the right franchise, I think will be key for him in a franchise. I would go to a franchise that's def- like that hones a lot more defensively than they do offensively. Um, just because I think that's going to be way more beneficial for him and his growth as a player. 
Yeah, Beck, it's uh, you know it's quite interesting when you look look at his background, uh, and I guess you know a bit of an underdog story. He was a three he was a three star recruit, um, you know, as he headed into college, um, you know, which you know it's quite interesting because typically when you're picking out some of the best prospects uh, in the NFL draft, we're talking five star. You know, everyone knows their name at uh, well at 13, 14, 15 years of age this this time of year, but you know. Yeah, production, it's a little bit sketchy, but one of the things it does, does hit the tape is his tackles, 66 tackles in his senior year. You do feel like he's a guy that could be a plug-in uh, play guy, someone that can be very productive for a defense. And, you know, when you think about some of the teams that are drafting that high, I, I guess it comes back to my earlier question is, can you resist a flashy linebacker that can bring a little bit of pressure? It's expensive, um, but yeah, what's your thoughts on Devin? Do you think he can sneak up and be, you know, quite a high pick in, in round one? I don't know if he's going in a first round. I mean, like we said, linebackers aren't necessarily the most targeted position during the draft. I think they can be highly underrated as well because they are quite a key player in a defense. Like they are gap fillers. They are zone covers. They can be pass rushers. Like they, that linebacker is like a position of, it's a multifaceted position. To, so to find a player that can play, you know, as well in every single asset of defense is hard. And I think, you know, Devin is the type of player where he might not have had a great combine. He might not have great stats that reflect him as a player. But when you watch him play, when you see him on the field, he is in everything. He is everywhere. He has so much passion and so much drive to be around the ball and make plays that, um, Whatever defense he goes to, like Barker said, if he goes, you know, a little bit later to a team where he has to compete for his position to start, he's really going to put in that effort and really show what he is capable of um, during a preseason. All right, Alex, let's have a look at his competitor tonight, Nakobe Dean. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it's pick your poison when it comes to linebackers. They come in all sorts of shapes, sizes, um, and that's certainly the case with Nakobe. Uh, very different type of athlete at six foot tall, 102 kilos. Uh, but again, he was no three-star athlete. He was five-star. This is this is a guy who's always, um, you know, headed, headed places. And, you know, Alex, it's interesting when you hear about little weird nuggets that come out of, you know, some of the interviews and things. Mechanical engineering is his major. We won't hold that against him but uh i guess it is important and, and it and it does get circled that this is a highly intelligent player and you know you just get a sense that in a couple of years this could be a potential captain on the defensive side of the ball talk to us a little bit a little bit about nakobe um because yeah he's certainly got the stats to match what was a really impressive last year from um yeah from him yeah, definitely, right? I mean, as we talk about stats, he had 36 solid tackles, six sacks, two forced fumbles, and two interceptions. So uh, clearly when he hits a player, he's – he. I mean, you see him, right? When you look at Georgia, you look at their defense. Georgia is, like, defensively sound as far as a college team goes and a college program, and I always like watching the defenders more than their attack – more than their offense because I think the defenders are just way more fun to watch. And he was one of those players where I think when he stepped out on the field, like, he was gunning for you no matter where you were. Like he was gunning for that ball and he was going to take it from you, make sure that you didn't get that many yards. So for him, again, I think he's a solid, solid linebacker for any team. Um, he kind of reminds me of who's the, uh, and I can't, I can't believe I forget his name, but out of the Rams, the really big like defender, Aaron Donald. He reminds me of a young Aaron Donald a little yeah. bit in like his play a little bit. And I would like to see him in a system 
like the Rams. And I think that would be a great system for him because he does have certain aspects of Aaron Donald in him. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't get the reference until you did the flex. And then I was like, yeah, it's Aaron Donald. <laughs> I've got that one. Uh, right, interesting. I mean, you know, he's he's going to get knocked a little bit because he's going he's gonna to come up against prospects that are more experienced, have more have had more snaps. I mean, this has been a pretty uh, mediocre uh, – it's, it's been a quick rise, I guess, for N'Kobe. Um, go, I guess, you know, finishes his college career as a champion, national champion, doesn't get any better than that. So I guess, I guess it's a two-part question. Number one, uh, talk to me a little bit about Nakobe, your thoughts on him, and then no sitting on the fence when it comes to the match. I need to know which way you're going here, Nakobe or Devin, when it comes to your preferred linebacker in this year's class. I think something really important about Nakobe is he has patience at the line of scrimmage. We've got a guy that lets the play develop and he is strategic in the way he goes after the quarterback. And I think that is similar to Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald maybe goes with a bit more of that grunt but he's strategic and maybe that comes from his mechanical engineering background. Who knows? You know, he's got a big tackle range. He's a guy that gets after the ball, gets after the quarterback. If it's me, I'm taking a Kobe Dean as my number one linebacker. That's my guy. I think he's, he's definitely one that can come in and shake things up straight away in the NFL. Yeah. Look for me, it's got to be Nakobe. you know, when I'm sort of looking at these, these linebackers and uh, you know, players on that, on that side of the ball, I'm looking for future captains. I'm looking for guys that, you know, are not only productive on the field, but are also, you know, very intellectual about the game. And um, you know, they know where everyone's got to be. There's just so many adjustments at the line. Now, some of these veteran quarterbacks, they're just causing havoc for defenses. If you've got some smarter players on defense, that can kind of counteract that. It is just so helpful. So, um, Look, Nakobe, but look, I, I, you know, again, it's expensive for a linebacker, but don't be surprised if he sneaks up that draft board. I'm, you know, he's um, he's got quite a lot of buzz in and around him at the moment. Beck, thoughts on this? You know, it's uh, you know, Devin, he's going to be battling uh, hard here to, to to get the win against Nakobe. It, it is hard to compete against a champion. I mean, this team went on; they they won the national championship, and yeah, he was a big part of that. Yeah, 100%. And when you look at them as well, like compare them to one another, like there's a size difference too. Nakobe's only six foot tall. Like he's not a big linebacker, like, but he's quite, he's quite stocky. I think they weigh around the same. Like there's not much in the weight difference, but there's a height difference there, which means the arm span is a little bit different. Um, You know, the legs are a little bit different. They move a little bit differently because they are a little bit shorter, a bit stockier. Um, but also Nakobe ran, I think he ran a four, five. So he's got some speed behind him as well. And when you do have, you know, like Laura said, that patience behind the line and you can see the play developing and you have that speed to be able to go side to side and downfield and make some plays. I think that really is what makes Nakobe stand out over Devin. And that's, yeah, I'm, I'm going with the majority and he's my pick. And I honestly, I think he will go in the first round. Alex, one word answer here. Have we got a clean sweep? Yeah, you do. Yeah, there we go. We'll uh, we'll take Nicobe Dean, outstanding prospect, but uh, I think Egg's going to be on our face in a couple of years' time. I'm sure Devin Lloyd, who'll go on and become a Hall of Famer, will all look very, very silly. But at the moment, on paper, Nicobe's looking, yeah, very, very attractive, and I'm sure the team that drafts him will be very, very happy. All right, guys, let's jump into our final segment for today, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is singing closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. All right, Alex, help me out with this one. I don't want to talk about this player. I've avoided talking about him, but we've got to do it because he is a very important puzzle piece when it comes to the NFL at the moment. Uh, I guess big disclaimer, Deshaun Watson, 
everything that, that obviously he's been cleared of his criminal charges. He's still got 22 civil suits that he's going to have to work through. We do not condone anything that he's done. In fact, yeah, I mean, Deshaun, what, uh, yeah, it, it's it's incredibly awful what, uh, what what what's happened there. But the reality of sport, Alex, is that he is going to be on a roster this year. You know, when you think about some of the penalties that will come down from the NFL, they've been quite lenient in the past. He might miss a month, but... Alex, the difficult question I've got for you is where is this guy going to end up? Because the Houston Texans, that bridge is burnt to the ground. They, 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 they want him gone. They want him gone tomorrow. Where do you think Deshaun Watson's going to end up? Um, I think he'll end up at Miami. I think that's really the only place he can go. I don't see him fitting in any other scheme in the NFL. And I wouldn't be surprised if they took him and sat him behind Tua. I really wouldn't. And, and, and two is okay. I, I think he's an okay quarterback. Deshaun Watson, oh. you know, I think he, again, he's an okay quarterback as well. So be interesting to see, but I wouldn't be, I think the only system that can take him that would probably want to take him because I don't think any system does might be Miami. Yeah, I, I like that. I, I've got a similar one with uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. I get a bit of a sense that you can't just take Deshaun Watson and make him the face of your franchise. I think, you know, there's, you know, whilst he'll be able to play, I don't know about that. I really feel like he's going to have to let the dust settle. Fight as a QB too. I mean, the talent he's going to he's going to beat out. You know, basically half the league. You know, in terms of his natural talent. But I just feel like, you know, Philly they've been flirting with a lot of quarterbacks. I don't think they're all in on Jalen Hurts. There's still concerns about, you know, his ability to throw the ball. Great with his legs, but you know that kind of limits their offense a little bit. So yeah, don't be surprised if they try and sneak Deshaun Watson in there as a QB too, uh, and then he'll probably look to start later on that's kind of my prediction there uh beck he's gonna go somewhere there is no way this guy's gonna stay in houston uh where does he go he definitely has to go somewhere and it's it's kind of you know considering everything that he's had behind him he hasn't played football for a year we haven't seen him do anything for a year so teams that are looking at picking him up i i like aren't looking at him with high hopes i think they're really desperate teams that have nothing and have no one and because this draft has no quarterback prospects in that top 10, really, like they're looking to pick up someone in a franchise that they've seen play before. And they know Watson, you know, is a decent player. He's good enough to start if they need him to. And I think now that the Colts have lost Carson Wentz, I think they're going to be looking pretty desperately. And the fact that, you know, Houston want to get rid of Watson, they'll get rid of him for a six round. They'll trade him for nothing, I think. And I think the Colts could potentially pick him up just to fill that missing piece. Yeah, look, I, I don't oh, think the AFC, I don't think the AFC needs to get any better. Uh, I mean, especially as a Patriots supporter, but you do feel a little bit sorry for the Colts because they've kind of built this amazing team. They just don't have anyone there that can kind of lead them forward. And how hard is it? Just pass the ball to the running back. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, best in the business. Uh, Carson Wentz couldn't figure that out. So uh, no, that's a pretty good call there, Beck. All right, Laurie, you get the last call on this one um yeah it's tricky to try and predict this uh but you know this this should be resolved over the next few weeks you'd imagine yeah your comment about passing the ball triggered me as a as a Seahawks fan um knowing what it's like when you don't pass the ball especially at fourth and one (laughs) but look you know I reckon if he's going to a team if he's starting anywhere it would be Carolina Carolina seriously need a shakeup on their offense they're a team that can't produce they're a team that hasn't had any luck with Sam Donald You know, they do have a healthy plethora of picks. They've got first round picks for the next three years and a good amount of seconds to back that up. Houston do still want something for Deshaun Watson. You know, they're not going to do a Seattle. They're not letting him go for free. They do actually want something for him. 
And I think Carolina is a team that would give them their picks to get a quarterback that could help steer that ship, even if he would go behind Sam Darnold, someone to just put in that place. But I reckon we could see him starting in Carolina. All right, guys. Well, that's all the time we have tonight. Just want to thank my amazing panel, always bringing the heat as we talk all things NFL. And to our listeners, we really do appreciate your support. It may be the off-season, but the content keeps coming here at Mojo Sports. The draft, well, we're getting closer by the day. Really interesting to see where all of these prospects will land. Uh, Thank you for all of your support. Continue to download the podcast, sharing with family and friends. And until next week, we'll catch you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.